for your grace and your mercy and your goodness and your word, Father, which teaches us how to be your daughters, Lord. And we ask that tonight you would show us through your word what would please you, what is it that we need to do that we would become women of wisdom and honor you, Lord. So we just lift this time now and invite you here in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, one question for everyone. If you could have dinner with any one person, dead or alive, who would it be and why, and what would you say? There's actually a forum for this question, if you Google it, and there's even a top five named. Some people said their parents or grandparents who've passed away. There's ex-presidents, there's actors, there's painters, writers, musicians, philosophers, politicians, and even iron chefs. One person said Jimmy Hoffa because they'd like to ask him where he's buried. (laughs) Some even said God and Jesus, and I will tell you that our Lord was in the top five of the top five that people voted on or named. I think the Queen of Sheba is the originator of this question. According to 1 Kings 10, she picked Solomon as the one person with whom she would like to have dinner. And so let's look at the scriptures and find out why. Let's back up a little bit to Solomon. By chapter 10 of 1 Kings, King Solomon's prosperity and fame was at its height. Verses 14 and 15 gives us some figures of Solomon's yearly income. It says that his base salary, if we can even call it that, was 666 talents of gold. Now, a standard talent is equal to about 75 pounds. So so the price of gold today approximately calculating all that, doing all the math, you know, times 16, times 75, one talent of gold is worth $1,920,000 in today's market. So if you multiply that, again, doing all the math, 666 talents of gold would be $1,278,720,000. And I'm sure there's some discrepancies there as far as values, but I think we get the idea of what his, just his base salary was. Now, on top of this base salary, he received an income in gold and silver from traveling merchants that went through Jerusalem, from traders, from kings of Arabia, and from governors of the country. Solomon had so much wealth and material possessions that verse 21 of chapter 10 of 1 Kings tells us that All his drinking vessels were gold, and all the vessels of the house of the forest of Lebanon were pure gold. Not one was silver, for this was accounted as nothing in the days of Solomon. And also in chapter 10, verse 27, it says that the king made silver as common in Jerusalem as stones. So again, I think we get an idea of how much precious metal this man had. The house of the forest of Lebanon was a great hall that Solomon constructed as part of his palace complex in Jerusalem. We see that in 1 Kings 7. And it was named this because of the amount of Lebanese cedar used in its construction. Solomon possessed so much gold that the shields of his soldiers were made of gold. And then he had 300 shields made of pure gold for display only which he put into the house of the forest of Lebanon. 
We read that in Second Chronicles 9. David also had constructed a large ivory throne overlaid with pure gold, and this throne had six steps with a footstool of gold. Again, Second Chronicles 9. Not only was Solomon extremely wealthy, Solomon was also famous. His name was also known throughout the then-known world for his intellect or his, his uh, intellectual abilities. First Kings 4.30 says that Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the men of the East and all the wisdom of Egypt. Now, the East is where the wise men came from. Egypt was famous for its knowledge in architecture, mathematics, and they also uh, were, were uh, very skilled in their magical arts. But Solomon's wisdom exceeded that of the Egyptians, the scripture says. First Kings 4.32 tells us that he was a writer, that he spoke 3,000 proverbs, and he wrote 1,005 songs. Then verse 33 says that he also spoke of trees, from the cedar of Lebanon even to the hyssop that springs out of the wall. He spoke of animals, of birds, and of creeping things, and of fish. This is First Kings 32 and 33. So with all this, this would make him a dendrologist because he spoke of trees and shrubs, a zoologist because he spoke of animals, an ornithologist because he spoke of birds, an entomologist because he spoke of bugs, and an ichthyologist because he spoke of fishes. So apparently Solomon was interested in these areas and he studied them and therefore he was able to speak on these things. And he was also known for the gardens that he he put together and um, planned out. Not only was Solomon known for his wealth and his intelligence, but he was also known for the wisdom which God put in his heart. 1 Kings 3, 5 to 15 is actually the account of when the Lord gave Solomon this wisdom. And in verse 5, the Lord had appeared to him in a dream and asked him, what, ask, what shall I give you? And Solomon said, you've made your servant king instead of my father David, but I'm a little child. I do not know how to go in or come out. And basically, I, I don't know what I'm doing here is what he's telling the Lord. He says, therefore, give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? And verse 10 tells us that this pleased the Lord, that Solomon had asked for this. And then God said to him in verse 11, because you have asked this thing, you've not asked for life. You've not asked for riches. You've not asked for life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern justice. Behold, I have done according to your words. See, I have given you a wise and understanding heart so that there has not been anyone like you before you, nor shall anyone like you arise after you. And I have also given you what you have not asked both riches and honor, so that there shall not be anyone like you among all the king in all your days. So the Lord gives him this then and there. So now back to 1 Kings 10, verse 23 and 24 says, So Solomon surpassed all the kings of the earth in riches and wisdom. And now all the earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom, which God had put in his heart. So as Solomon's fame went out to the ends of the earth of that day, it reached the Queen of Sheba. And hearing the accounts of this magnificent king ruling in Jerusalem, so wise and wealthy, this queen decided to investigate for herself and see if what she had heard 
was true. So she decided he was the one person that she wanted to have dinner with. There were other dignitaries of the then-known world who had come to visit King Solomon. Uh, it says that they came from the ends of the earth. But what made this queen so different or so special? Why did the Lord have her visit recorded so that we could read it thousands of years later? Even Jesus referred to this visit in Matthew 12, 42 and Luke eleven thirty one, where he said, The queen of the south will rise up in the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And indeed, a greater than Solomon is here. And what's happening here is that the religious leaders were inciting opposition to Jesus. And as, as he was speaking, and the people were turning their backs upon him. And Jesus used the Queen of Sheba as an example of one who came from the ends of the earth to learn of the truth of God. And while these religious leaders refused to acknowledge even the truth, even when God himself was standing in front of them. Jesus is the one greater than Solomon. He is the God of Israel and he is our Messiah. And I think the answer to the question as to why the Lord picked her is because she left us an example to follow. Her, her example is one we can apply in accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, but it's also an example that we can follow as we continue to seek the one greater than Solomon for wisdom after salvation. So tonight we're going to look at the Queen of Sheba and we're going to look at uh, she heard true wisdom, verse 1. She sought after wisdom, verse 2 to 8, and she responded to wisdom verses 9 through 13. Let's look at she heard true wisdom in verse 1. First King 1 says, Now when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to test him with hard questions. So who was the queen of Sheba? And what makes her so fascinating to many? Uh, uh, it's amazing the cultures that have embraced the queen of Sheba. This is the first mention of a queen in the form used here for the Queen of Sheba. We read of other queens, wives and mothers of kings, but the form for this type of queen is a title of honor denoting a royal lady. But the Hebrew word for queen here for the Queen of Sheba means one actually ruling, a ruling queen. We're not told whether she was beautiful as with other women in the Bible, we're clearly told that. But we do know that she was very wealthy. And all, although the Queen of Sheba is one of the unnamed women of the Bible, she is well known in, the sub, in many other uh, legends and of other cultures. Many, many cultures have embraced her. In Islamic and Arabic tradition, she is called Bilkis or Balkis. She's in their Quran. The Ethiopians call her Makita and claim her as the queen of Ethiopia who bore the first king of Ethiopia and from that lineage came their succeeding kings. They attribute that to her. That's in their Cabranogast. Uh, but they also claim, the Ethiopians, that this first king was fathered by Solomon. Now, scripture doesn't give us any hint of a physical relationship between the queen and and Solomon. And we all know that the scriptures don't try to hide anything. We just had David and Bathsheba. You know, we, we read of Abraham and Sarah and Ishmael. I mean, if you went with us as we went through the Samuel, I mean, there's a lot of things there that 
we're pretty amazing. <laughs> the Lord doesn't hide it. So he, he doesn't sugarcoat anything. And as Doreen pointed out, as she quoted Xavier, where the scriptures are silent, then we should be silent. So I have to side with the scriptures uh, and not jump on a band, this bandwagon of an affair between the Queen of Sheba and Solomon. And you know what? The Lord gives us exactly what we need to know. So what we have in scripture is what we need. And if there was any more, anything more we needed to know, the Lord would have given that to us. So we will be silent where the scriptures are silent. Sheba is the Hebrew spelling of the name Saba, which is a nation most scholars traditionally associate with southern Arabia. Uh, which is the area uh, today of modern Yemen. Now, there's not a whole lot known about Sabean history, even much less known about her, but we do know that the Sabeans did successfully develop a caravan trade. They were a merchant people holding trade relations with Israel and other countries as far east as India. They were rich in spices, precious stones, and agricultural commodities. They did establish a network of overland and sea routes to trade their wares, and we read about some of these people in the Psalms and in Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezra. Inscriptions have been found indicating uh, the Sabean civilization in southern Arabia. However, some scholars believe that they might have included parts of or also uh, occupied parts of the Ethiopian coast below Egypt. And, you know, their clues for this are the bales of incense she brought with her and frankincense grew only in these two areas. Also, interestingly, in 2012, a British excavation discovered an enormous ancient gold mine in Ethiopia, which by the inscriptions is believed to be Sabean and possibly belonging to the Queen of Sheba. And again, they're still excavating. They don't really know, but that those are their first thoughts when they first uncovered this. Josephus called her the Queen of Egypt and Ethiopia, the historian of the time, of, of the ancient historian. So scholars are divided between the two possible locations for Sheba or Saba. Both countries claim her as theirs, and since they're only separated by less than 20 miles of water, it's a possibility. She, it could have been southern Arabia over into Ethiopia. Either way, the Queen of Sheba was a monarch of this ancient kingdom of Saba, known as the Sabaeans, and she's found in Yemeni and Ethiopian history and legends. And again, other cultures as well. Um, she's inspired Turkish and Persian paintings, Handel's oratorio of Solomon, and even Hollywood films. Her story is told today still across Africa and Arabia. So where she's actually from is not as important as the fact that when she heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she acted upon it. Solomon's fame included his wealth, but verse 1 is very clear that the fame she came to investigate was that concerning the name of the Lord, the wisdom given to him by the Lord God of Israel. She probably had heard of the temple. Maybe she heard of its beauty, the altar. Maybe she even heard that this is where man could approach God. She probably heard of the Jewish people's feast and their singing and their eating at these feasts. But I think we can conclude from verse 1 that the primary motive for the queen's visit was to verify Solomon's reputation for his wisdom, which came from God. 
and with that, his devotion to the Lord. Uh, the second part of verse 1 says that she came to test him with the hard questions. Proposing riddles or questions was a common practice in that day. Remember when we, we studied Samson, he proposed riddles to the Philistines in the book of Judges. Well, the scriptures do not record these riddles. Again, the Lord gives us just what we need to know. But legends over time have made up some, and some of them were pretty doozy. <laughs> they were amazing, but it's all speculation. The, the questions themselves aren't what we need to know. But we don't have them, but there are some interesting uh, riddles that have developed over the years. Whatever questions were asked, her purpose for coming was to investigate if all she had heard was true. I don't think she came to disprove him, but I think she came to learn from him. And this tells me that she was a woman who was willing to learn. And she was willing to humble herself in order to do so. As a woman of wealth and of power, she would have to humble herself in this quest for this truth. Proverbs 11.2 says, When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. You know, I, I just pictured this queen being very interested in what she heard about Solomon and about his wisdom and her having this, this deep desire to learn from him all that she could. And, and she was going to do whatever she could to do that. And I think we have to ask ourselves, is this how we pursue the Lord? Are we as interested in what the Lord has to say to us through his word? Do we perk up or do we poop out? when it's time to study his word? Do we make the time daily to read his word? Do we deeply desire to spend that time with him and do whatever we have to do to do it? What is our attitude on Sunday mornings? The wisdom of God is readily available to us, but if we don't make the effort to seek it like this queen, we will not become women of wisdom. So this entire incident opens up with the queen who heard about this true wisdom, and then she acted upon what she heard. She sought after this wisdom. Look at verse 2. We're going to do verses 2 through 8. But verse 2 says, She came to Jerusalem with a very great retinue with camels that bore spices, very much gold and precious stones. And when she came to Solomon, she spoke with him about all that was in her heart. She came to Jerusalem with a very great retinue. She probably caused a lot of excitement the day her caravan came inside those walls of Jerusalem. There's not a whole lot of space there, so you couldn't have missed her. She's a queen, and she had wealth and abundance, and when she arrived, she brought that wealth and that luxury of the East with her. She did not come as a wise man or a wise woman. She came looking for wisdom. And whether she came from Arabia or Ethiopia... She came from a great distance. One commentator said that even if you take the more conservative approach and assume she came from southern Arabia, it's approximately about a 1,500-mile trip from Yemen to Jerusalem, which is about a 75-day ride on the back of a camel across the desert. She left the comfort of her home and took a long, difficult journey to get the truth of Solomon's wisdom. This tells me that this was a lady who was not afraid of a challenge. She did what she had to do to seek out this wisdom. She traveled in the manner of queens with a large royal procession. She also brought vats filled with gifts of spices, very much gold, it says, and precious stones. That weighs a lot. That's a lot that they had to bring. Verse 10 tells us 
actually how much gold she brought. It says, then she gave the king 120 talents of gold. That's about 9,000 pounds of gold, okay? It's a lot. So the distance and the terrain for this trip was difficult enough. And then the cargo she brought made this trip even longer and more difficult. But it didn't stop her from coming and from bringing Solomon her best. Are we as willing to give the Lord our best, even if it's inconvenient and takes an extra effort to do so? To what lengths are we willing to go so that we may seek after God's wisdom? Do we have to wake up earlier before the kids in order to spend time with our Lord? I, I, I've told this story over and over. Some of you, I'm sorry if I bore you with it again, but when my boys were little, it just seemed like the earlier I got up, the earlier they got up. And I'm trying to spend time with the Lord. And they'd come in and I'd be the screaming mom, you know, I'm trying to spend time with the Lord. And it wasn't a very good example I was setting. So the Lord in his wisdom gave me the idea to get a digital clock. And I put that in their room and they could not come out of their room until that clock said 800. That was 8 o'clock. Except if they had to go to the bathroom and they tiptoe and go, I'm going to the bathroom. You know, and then they'd go back in. But as soon as that clock flipped to 800, they, that door would fling open and they'd, it's 800. Now they could be awake earlier if they wanted to and they could play quietly. They, they were learning to read their their picture Bibles, you know, so they could do that, but they couldn't come out unless they had to go to the restroom until 800. I had to do that. So what do we need to do to be able to spend that time with the Lord? Do we prepare as much as possible the night before so that our family arrives on time and in the spirit to church? You know, do we have to put dinner in a crock pot or eat leftovers or sandwiches so that we can get here on time to midweek or to women's study? <laughs> There's a dear friend. She used to put her kids to sleep in their clothes. <laughs> she had like four or five, like underage six or so. And she'd put them to sleep in the clothes that they were going to wear in the morning. Now, all of us might not do that, but I commend her priorities. She had the right priority. She was going to get here and get here on time and in the spirit. And she would, and that's what she had to do. Do we make church days a priority in our scheduling? Do we say no to events that will interfere with coming to church? Or do we say no to church to make other events? First Corinthians 10:31 says, therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And, and this has a meaning that whatever we do is to be according to God's standard of dignity to his glory and to his honor. So our best is to be according to God's standards, not man's. Our best should bring praise and glory and worship to his name. Giving our best to the Lord means that we make him the priority of our day and of our entire life. And so just as the queen of Sheba brought Solomon her best, we would be wise women to offer our utmost for his highest. Then the second part of verse two and verse three says, she spoke with him, about all that was in her heart. So Solomon answered all her questions. There was nothing so difficult for the king that he could not explain it to her. And we see here that she poured out her heart to him and she discussed with him everything that was on her mind. There was no question too complex for Solomon and he answered all her deepest questions. Um, Romans 11:33, and we sang this in worship. It's a, 
I, lo- I like the way that today's English version uh, renders it. How great are God's riches? I was about to sing. <laughs> How great are God's riches? How deep are his wisdom and knowledge? Who can explain his decisions? Who can understand his ways? As the scripture says, who knows the mind of the Lord? Who is able to give him advice? Who has ever given him anything so that they had to pay it back? For all things were created by him and all things exist through him and for him to God be the glory forever. Amen. What is your greatest, deepest question tonight? Jesus is our greater than Solomon and there is no difficult question, no situation No complication that's too hard for him to answer. His answer will come to you in his perfect timing. And we would be wise women to come to him and pour out our hearts to him. As we come to him in prayer, as we spend time with him reading his word, and and as we gather like we're here tonight as a body to read his word together and to worship him together. And when we do this, our hearts are open and exposed to the Lord And he will see our most difficult questions even before we ask them. And he will answer our difficult questions. We see that she saw the riches of the king in verses 4 through 8. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built, the food on his table, the seating of his servants, the service of his waiters and their apparel, his cupbearers, his entryway by which he went up to the house of the Lord, There was no more spirit in her. In other words, she was speechless. She was just dumbfounded. Then she said to the king, It was a true report which I heard in my own land about your words and your wisdom. However, I did not believe the words until I came and saw with my own eyes. And indeed, the half was not told me. Your wisdom and prosperity exceed the fame of which I heard. Happy are your men and happy are these your servants who stand continually before you and hear your wisdom. Now, this queen was obviously familiar with the world of royalty and splendor and luxury, yet she was still completely overwhelmed, not only by the wisdom of Solomon, but also by the glory of his kingdom. She had heard of Solomon's wisdom and that his name was always connected with the name of the Lord and When she decided to go see for herself, it didn't matter the challenges of getting there. She was going to do it. And as she went to those great lengths to find out, she was not disappointed. Verses 6 through 9 says that she was so amazed by everything she saw that she tells King Solomon, the half was not told me. Your wisdom and prosperity exceed the fame of which I heard. You know, one of my favorite verses is Ephesians 3.20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ to all generations forever and ever. Amen. You know what, ladies, as we give complete control of our lives, our greater than Solomon, as we seek him, and we listen to his wisdom, and we eat at his table, and we spend time in his temple, and we become a servant at his feet, we will see that the Lord is able to do more than we ever could have imagined. As we pour out our hearts to him and let him know everything that is deep within us, every care, 
every concern, every hurt, every hope, every desire, every dream. As we do that, we will taste and see that the Lord is good, as Psalm 34, 8 says. Because as Philippians 4, 19 says, my God shall supply all our needs according to his riches in glory. That means in fullness by Christ Jesus. God's riches have no monetary value. They can't be bought. God's riches includes his forgiveness of sin and an inheritance in eternity, his love, his goodness, his mercy, his grace, his wisdom, his help, his strength, his peace, his sovereignty. And the list goes on and on. Ladies, do we realize that we have the sweet privilege of coming to the Lord as the Queen of Sheba came to Solomon and place all our needs and all our questions at his feet. We can come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Hebrews 4.16. When we come to the Lord asking him our hard questions, pouring out our heart to him, he will open to us his abundant, exhaustless treasury. Jesus said in John 10.10 that the thief comes to steal kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. And we would be wise women to take advantage of our privilege to draw upon the depths of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. They are unfathomable. They are unsearchable. And if we are totally committed to Jesus Christ and seek him for every aspect of our life, he will leave us speechless. We will not be disappointed His abundant riches cannot be bought, and they are more than we can imagine. And as we seek his wisdom, we will be in awe of what the Lord can do. Excuse me, Proverbs 8, 17 and 18 says, I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently will find me. Riches and honor are with me, enduring riches and righteousness. So the queen, after seeking the wisdom of Solomon, responds to all that she had seen and heard. Verses 9 through 13. Verse 9 tells us that she goes on to say, Blessed be the Lord your God, who delighted in you, setting you on the throne of Israel, because the Lord has loved Israel forever. Therefore, he made you king to do justice and righteousness. In responding to this wisdom, we see that she first acknowledged the Lord. She praised the God who had given Solomon this wisdom and ability to accomplish all he had. And when she said, Blessed be the Lord, the word she used there is Jehovah. She was thereby recognizing the God of Israel. And in recognizing the God of Israel, she's displaying some of this wisdom that God had given Solomon. And there's divided opinions as to whether she became a proselyte or not. She was a pagan. She had heard and wanted to know more about Solomon's wisdom, which came from the Lord. She does praise the God of Israel here. Jesus does use her as an example, but we don't really know. But I think we will know one day. And also in acknowledging or in responding, she gives of her best to King Solomon. Verse 10 says that she gave the king 120 talents of gold, spices in great quantity, and precious stones. There never again came such abundance of spices as the Queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. And also the ships of Hiram, which brought gold from Ophir, brought great quantities of almug wood and precious stones from Ophir. And the king made steps of the almug wood for the house of the Lord and for the king's house, 
also harps and stringed instruments for singers. There never again, never again came such almagwood, nor has the like been seen to this day. Verse 10 says that she brought gold, a lot of spices and precious stones. And verse 11 says, by the ships she brought great quantities of wood and more precious stones. And in verse 12, we read that some of these gifts that she gave, Solomon used for the Lord. From the wood, steps for the temple were made and instruments for worship were made. And in verses 10 and 11, we read that there never again again came such abundance of spices as the queen gave, or there never, verse 12, came against uh, such almond wood which she had given him. The queen gave something no one else could duplicate. And ladies, we are unique in what we have to give the Lord. Romans 12, 6 tells us that we have different gifts according to the grace given us. What are we willing to give to Jesus? Will it be used to further his kingdom and for his glory? What we have to offer to the Lord doesn't need to be seen by all, and it doesn't need to cost money. For many, it's your time serving in different ministries here. For those who are wives and mothers and grandmothers, it's serving your husband and your children and your grandchildren, nurturing them and raising them in the ways of the Lord. For some, it's bringing the Lord glory as you're the best employee at work. For others, it's bringing the Lord glory as you're an employer who is an example of godly character to your employees. We all have something unique to offer the Lord for his kingdom and glory. And we would be wise women to offer our unique gifts to him right where you are, wherever it is that you are. As Helen says, we can bloom right where we're planted. Whatever it is that you're doing right now, that's where you can offer the gifts God has given you. And as you do, he will open up opportunities to serve him. He will teach us to serve him. He will energize us to serve him. And finally, he will reward us for serving him. I'm, I'm sorry, I think this sounds like a win-win to me. It sounds like a good deal. And so the queen gives unique gifts to him, and we have something unique to offer to the Lord. And finally, she responded by receiving gifts that were offered to her. Verse 13 says, Now King Solomon gave the queen of Sheba all she desired, whatever she asked besides what Solomon had given her according to the royal generosity. So she turned and went to her own country she and her servants. To give according to the royal, generos- royal generosity means to give a lot. And I had to think the next time I ask for spending money, I think that I'm going to ask for an amount according to the royal generosity. <laughs> I like that term. <laughs> this description of Solomon's measure of generosity to the queen also describes the measure of God's generosity towards us. We touched on the abundance of his riches, but we will also have been given a royal priesthood, and an inheritance. Isaiah 61.10 says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robes of righteousness. The apparel of those who attend are greater than Solomon is far more magnificent than the apparel of Solomon's court because we are arrayed in robes of righteousness. And as a believer in Jesus Christ, the Father looks at us, being robed in righteousness, being robed in, in righteousness because of the finished work of the cross. Jesus paid the price for our sin, and then he robed us with his righteousness. 
Hebrews 9.15 says, And for this reason, he, meaning Jesus, is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant, and those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. Our eternal inheritance is the promise of eternity with Jesus Christ. And we would be wise women to accept these gifts offered to us as believers in Jesus Christ. So what made the Queen of Sheba so special? I think that as she heard of Solomon's wisdom given by God, she came from the uttermost parts of the earth and sought after his wisdom. Then she responded to it by acknowledging the one who gives wisdom, the Lord God, Jehovah. And she responded also by giving gifts for God's glory and gladly receiving a royal generosity. Because the Queen of Sheba was a genuine seeker of wisdom, her record is preserved in these passages, and her quest for wisdom was commended by Jesus himself. If the Queen of Sheba was willing to go to such effort to verify the reports of Solomon's wealth and wisdom, we should be even more willing to explore the spiritual wealth and wisdom the Word of God offers us. If the Queen of Sheba sought Solomon and the splendor of his kingdom so diligently, how much more should we, as wise women, seek Jesus and the glory of his kingdom? To seek after wisdom, we don't have to have dinner with a great mind or Solomon. All we need to do is seek the one greater than Solomon and ask him for his wisdom. In our homework, we went over Proverbs 3, 13 through 18, James 1, 5, James 3, 13 to 17. If you didn't read those Go back and read those. Solomon had the wisdom of God. Jesus is the wisdom of God. Solomon was a great king. Jesus is the king of kings. Solomon had great wealth. Jesus has unsearchable riches. Solomon answered the queen of Sheba's questions. Jesus is the answer to all our questions. Solomon revealed his riches to the queen of Sheba. Jesus reveals his riches to any who seek his face. Solomon gave the queen all her heart desired. Jesus gives us exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think. As women seeking after wisdom, with whom would you choose to have dinner with? We would be wise women to choose and seek after Jesus Christ, for he embodies wisdom and he bestows riches and blessings to those who love him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again so much for your word and how you give us wisdom through your word. And Lord, tonight we ask.